This podcast is part of the Telerik Developer Network. Telerik by Progress. Welcome to Eat Sleep Code, the official Telerik podcast. I'm your host, Ed Charbonneau, and with me today is my co-host, Brian Rinaldi. How you doing, Brian? Good. I'm sitting in the worst chair in the world. Yeah, I've been complaining about your chair lately because it picks up a lot on the mic, and um, it, it sounds like somebody like ruffling like the, the Easter cellophane paper against the microphone or something, and uh, it's killing me in post-production, man. So hopefully yes. the listeners appreciate your pain and suffering. Yeah, yeah. I um, I'm in one of these situations where I'm sitting in a chair that's so low that like um my my chin barely sits over the top of the table. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I I can't imagine anybody seeing me would think I look completely ridiculous. But so you you grabbed the chair that you use for the kids' table at Thanksgiving is what you're telling me. It's more of like a living room chair than an office chair, so it sits way low for this, for the desk. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, but the things I do to make you happy, Ed. Uh, the things you do for a Developer Digest show, which is our show where we talk about hot things that are happening in software development and technology and all things web, right? Mm-hmm. Before we get started... You know, we normally announce events at the end of the show, but we have a really important event coming up, the Kendo UI webinar. Uh, So I reached out to our very own Burke Holland, who Uh is the MC for that event, um, and this is what he had to say. Hello, everybody. This is Burke Holland. Uh, Hold on just a second. What? No, close the door and go downstairs. I'm trying to do a podcast. Then pick the broccoli up off the floor. Handle it, please. Please. Thank you. Sorry about that. Uh, This is Burke Holland coming to you live from my uh, master bedroom closet where I have tried in vain to find a quiet place to tell you that this uh, coming May 9th is the official launch of Kindle UI for Angular. There's a lot of really cool new stuff that's coming in this release, not the least of which is the fact that we've completely rewritten Kindle UI from the ground up on Angular. Uh, We got some great guests. Tara Manixic's going to be there. She's awesome. Steven Fluin from the Angular team is going to be there. Uh, Long Lee from Pioneer Natural Resources is going to be there. We're going to take a look at some of the new widgets, some of the things that we've rebuilt and completely reimagined, and we're going to take a look at all of the different advantages that you get when you use Angular and you use Kindle UI for Angular. So won't you join us on the 9th? We put a link in the sign-up below in the show notes. We hope to see you there. I'm going to go downstairs and clean up some broccoli. As usual, Burke always has uh, some interesting things going on. Um, yeah. So join join us for the webinar. I'm sure you guys will enjoy it. Uh, you'll get to see the brand new Kendo UI built from scratch uh, using Angular. So this is something brand new for us. My um, kids use and, Scratch. It's the same Scratch. They built it in <laughs> Scratch. That would that'd be pretty amazing. Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I'm, I'm sure we have some great prizes to give away as well. Um, I'm sure there's some broccoli to be had uh, at the event. So make sure you sign up. Uh, we'll include some links in the show notes for that. Uh, so with that out of the way, let's get started. We have some fun topics to talk about. Uh, the uh, first one up 
is a review from Rob Rob Lawler. Boy, I'm my word. Rob Lawler wrote, "What did we learn from Facebook's F8 developer conference?" And I don't even know if I'm pronouncing this right. Is it F8 like the letter, or they? Is it fate? Together. You know, I don't know. I was saying F8, but I don't. I don't know what it stands for. Hmm, interesting. Is it, I think is it because be Facebook is eight letters? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Or are they trying to call it fate? I don't know. Anyhow, uh, you know, Facebook is, is very popular um, amongst adults these days. Uh, <laughs> I hope I don't anger any friends that I have over at Facebook. But uh, my kids, my kids don't use this anymore. Yours? Not at all. They're all on Snapchat, which is yeah. obvious. Which is what Rob talks about. That that this is um, the concern at Facebook. That you know, they're they're trying to compete with Snap, and you know, I, I think pretty much I've noticed that uh, you know both young young younger kids like teenagers and stuff, as well as even college age kids don't seem to really use Facebook anymore you know yeah, my kids get on Facebook to post pictures for quote grandma and papa yep so and you know I, I know even even I've changed the way I use Facebook um, I only use it really for pictures now too I think I've I've stopped uh, so I use it personally I post only pictures and then other than that I follow a lot of like bands I like and and uh, local events and stuff like that. So it's kind of like a way of finding out what's going on locally and finding things to do um, than then actually uh, as it's not as great for me for connecting with anybody anymore. Hmm. So I've, I've got quite a bit of people from the industry that, uh, that are either friending me or are already friends with me on there. So um, I keep up with yeah. several folks, but you know, maybe maybe this is a trend that they're trying to reverse. Maybe this is the idea behind the augmented and virtual reality concepts they were pitching at the conference. So it was what uh, Facebook Spaces is what they called it. Yeah. So from from now on, you and I are going to do this in virtual reality, so that I can talk to a an animated avatar of you in three D space. What do you think? Sounds like Second Life to me. It will be so much better than than uh, just speaking via voice. I mean, if I don't see some animated avatar <laughs> of you, it really lessens the experience, right? Uh, I feel bad. I feel like we're, we're being so cynical of this um, the whole thing, and and I have I do have friends that work at Facebook, so um, hopefully they're they're not listening to what we're saying right now. Well, but, I, uh, I mean, I will say that. Look, you know, I think. Facebook is trying to figure out where this stuff is headed, um, and I don't think they have the answers yet. I think they're sharing with, uh, with us what they think might be the answers right now. I think give it a few years, it's going to change anyway. So, um, you know, they're going to they're gonna figure it out, I think, but it's just, I'm, I'm only cynical of what we see so far, and as much as I'm cynical of anything VR related. Even though I have like a little VR headset, um, I find it, it it basically collects dust because it's just not. 
either very fun or very useful. Very practical, right? Yeah. It's like everybody either has to have one on or you, you look really weird or uh, it's too bulky to use in a, in a long setting. Um, you know, in, it, we are being a little cynical of this particular event, uh, not so much space, Facebook itself. Um, and I think I, we do this a lot in our industry of all of these events, uh, whether it's Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, Amazon, you name it. They have one of these big events, and they're annual, um, which may possibly be a mistake. Uh, you know, what if you don't have anything that's just groundbreaking to announce year after year? Um, you know, a lot of times Apple will get kicked in the teeth on these, even Microsoft too, where it's like, okay, we're going to have this big, you know, launch event, and we really don't have a lot to launch. We have some updates of what we, you know, the, the amazing thing we launched last year, and then everybody kind of hates on <laughs> the yeah. announcements because they're just not. That's not basically so every Apple event since Steve Jobs left, right? Ooh, ouch, Brian. Ouch. Yeah, it's a it's a slight iteration on an existing product that isn't significantly better than the prior product. Um, anyway, but it's touted as the next big thing. But I will tell you one thing that I think Facebook is doing right on uh, that they discussed it at um, at F8 uh, is is the bot their strategy on bots. I think they're the idea they have on bots where bots are more like apps um, and have these kind of pre-built interactions that are more app-like, um, I think is where bots will eventually head. Because I mean, just just standard chat bots, um, there's certain limitations where I can't, you know, it's harder for me to do certain things. Whereas this comes up with like, you know, a little bit of a pre-built interface with, that allows me say to like ask the bot for something and it would give me, you know, let's say I'm talking to an open table bot and it would give me a little like, okay, here's the restaurant. Do you want to make a reservation little kind of card? And I click it and, and can do that kind of thing. Um, I think they're headed in the right direction with these app-like bots. Uh, yeah, there, there definitely could be some use there, especially when, uh, you know, small businesses use Facebook a lot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of local restaurants use Facebook instead of having an actual web page. Uh, that in my personal opinion is a mistake, but um, at least it's a, a place to start for small businesses to have a web presence. Um, so yeah, that may be helpful for even them if the, the bot framework's uh, simple enough someday that you can build these things, you know, just by having a Facebook page, uh, be able to, you know, interact with uh, a bot somehow and you know, at least uh, have, have it reply with menu items and stuff like that, it'd be cool. Yep. Yeah. So, so thanks for smoothing that over for me, Brian. Um, that now Zuck won't give me a call after this podcast airs. Yeah, I know you, you and he were on uh, kind of on the outs lately. <laughs> uh, on to the next topic here. Um, so our amazing uh, developer advocate Jen Looper. She uh, started with a Twitter poll um, asking people. Uh, what what do you call yourself as a software developer? Uh, software engineer, programmer, coder, developer, and then the the uh, poll kind of went viral. So she wrote a blog post about it called "What is a software developer?" 
Yeah, and this is something she's been thinking about for a while, and I think the poll was just a way of trying to gauge what people thought. Um, and she ended up with almost 8,000 votes, which is crazy, right? Uh, so, so, you know, and after 8,000 votes, there was no clear consensus. Most people used developer, but it was very, very close behind was software engineer. And really not too far behind that was programmer. Uh, it seems like nobody says coder. Um, but there was a lot of also a lot of replies of people with slightly different variations and so on. So um, I think it's really interesting. I think uh, there was a lot of talk in the comments that was occasionally a bit, um, as comments tend to be a bit rough at times. Uh, You're but, telling me things on the internet got inflammatory? Yeah, you know the rule, like, you know, is, is never read the comments. <laughs> and, you know, in this case, it's really not that bad. But, but I mean, I've, I've had a number of times lately, especially on, on big sites, you know, where I, I just, for some reason, I scroll down to the comments and it's like, it's, you feel like you get lost in this just horrible world of, <laughs> of hate and vitriol. And it's just... You get lost in comments and it, it's just nastiness. Um, but in this case, a lot of people were talking about, uh, you know, just there is a bit of a lack of standards around how we title this and and what it means. Um, you know, and Jen, Jen's definition is a very expansive one. Um, and some people have a real issue with that. I personally don't because I think you know, having been in this industry for a long time, and I'd love to hear what you think, but for me, it's like my role has constantly shifted and I'm sometimes doing more code and I'm sometimes doing less code. And there's times when I felt like I'm a real expert and there's times when I feel like I'm just kind of pretending. Um, uh, so, you know, it's, it's a, to me, it's a very fluid thing. It's not, there's not a clear cut, um, definition and I think uh, sometimes the very clear definitions you know in certain cases are good but in our industry it's it's too broad to really come up with a very you know uh, specific definition and the oftentimes the specific definition is used to exclude people specifically as mo more than to be inclusive if you know if that makes sense yeah. Um, so, so our current positions are, are a little strange in this uh, regard because we're developer advocates. So we're more brand advocates, but we have the knowledge, know-how, and background of a software developer. So I, I would kind of go back to uh, my previous career and think about how I had to brand myself um, and you know, I went as web developer for a long time. Um, we even had a title of corporate web developer, which isn't quite an industry standard at all. It kind of doesn't mean anything extra. Um, you know, and then people say things like programmer. I've, I agree with the, the lack of people using coder. I don't think I've heard that very much. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that's a professional term. Like that's more of a hobbyist type of a term in my opinion. I'm a coder, like, I, I write code on the weekends, something like that. Uh, you know, that's what I did in high school. I was a coder. Um, 
Software engineer was an interesting one. Uh, as we saw, somebody replied back from Canada saying, if you use the term engineer and you are not certified as an engineer, yep. then there could be repercussions for that. Which, yep. Uh, I, I jokingly said in, on Twitter is uh, you have to say you're sorry, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure I'll get some hate mail for that one as well. But but at least uh, Ed dot Charbonneau at progress dot com. <laughs> at least the Canadian folks are nice. They'll send me nice hate mail. So. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of yeah. like you can't you know you can't call it a scotch unless it's you know from Scotland and so on. It's only bourbon if it's from Kentucky. Exactly. So oh, whiskey, folks, come on. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you know, I think I, in some ways I I like that, and then others, you know, once you get into certifications, you get into who who basically comes up with the standards that by which you are certified, right? Um, and I know, like, you know, for instance, I'm gonna uh, I'll say from experience, universities have tended to be way behind right in oh, terms yeah. of and they've they've only recently tried to catch up right but it was you know it was not too long ago that you'd most you know of these universities were still were not teaching anything you'd necessarily use on the job <laughs> you know what i'm yeah. saying uh Which is you know why i avoided paying forty thousand dollars a year to go to one of these places but you know, and I know that that's that's changing, and and I also know that some of what they teach are are fundamental things that apply to all languages and so mm -hmm. on. But but I'm but the point is is like when you get into a certification, you know what 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 are we going to certify people on? Are we going to require that you know that to get to be qualified as a software engineer, whether you're a web developer or you're doing you know Java, like you have to what are, what are they going to test you on? You know what I mean? Are, is everybody going to have to do this in C++ and to right. prove that they have, you know, it's, it, it's a really hard thing um, given, like I said, given the broad scope of what we do um, and what, you know, what constitutes uh, a developer in many situations is, is, is different. Yeah, I think it has to be more granular than... Uh, what you were talking about, like I think uh, uh, Microsoft already has some certifications like this, where sure. you could say you're a software developer, but maybe the job you're looking for requires a Microsoft certification in a certain technology. Yep, right? I I had some of the Microsoft ones. I had other ones in the past when you know when I was uh, doing more real development when I wasn't faking it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, another thing that you see in that regard is, uh, and mentioned in the article, is uh, the salary rate is different for, say, web developer or software developer. Mm -hmm. uh, and y you have to watch for that when you're uh, applying for jobs or trying to maybe redefine your role at work. I've been down that path before where the, the HR department's trying to go for the lesser valued term and you're having to prove through job description you know, no, this is this is the other thing that pays a lot more, and I do these things on a daily basis uh, versus just general, you know, web development or something. 
you know, I'm a full stack developer. You know, I'm doing database design and and uh, architecture and stuff like that. So no, you're not gonna stick me in this, uh, you know, sixty thousand dollar year role when I should be paying, you know, ninety thousand or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you got to watch for that too. So it was a great topic for Jen to cover. I think it got a lot of eyeballs. Uh, if you it sure did. It, you should check it out on developer.tellerk.com. Um, speaking of uh, of Jen and uh, some of the other folks on the team, we were sharing uh, this interesting uh, link the other day. So this isn't part of the newsletter, but just something that our team was kind of kicking around, and I think it kind of made some waves yesterday. Uh, and that's the Echo Look. Mm. <laughs> you're yeah. grown. Like, you're not you're not a big fan of this, Brian, are are you? I you know I will admit, as some other people said similar things yesterday. When I first saw it, I was like, wait a second, is this from April? Is this like an old link from April first? Yeah, let's pause for a second. Explain what the Echo Look is. So, it is a camera that by which you take video and selfies of yourself in outfits so that it can recommend better outfits for you. Is that yeah, so it's, it's an Alexa device, an Echo device that uh, besides the normal black cylinder look, they've, they've made it white, which still it's a white cylinder with kind of a black face on it. And it's got a camera and lots of flash photography and yeah. voice activation. Yeah. And uh, I guess you're supposed to put it in your bedroom or wherever you change clothes. Um, maybe you have a gigantic walk Yeah, that's, walk-in that's closet. creepy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so this imagine, thing... imagine the, uh, you know, me changing in front of this camera. Imagine the security. I mean, oh, not that anybody's trying to look at me, but you know, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, anybody, it's like we've had enough of these devices with the security issues now that it's it's basically people are getting dressed and undressed in front of cameras all the time. Yeah, it's, so it's it's not on all the time. You have to activate it with your voice. Yeah, uh-huh. You know, the, it's you know, not on all the time? Computers can't be hacked, right? No, yeah. Anyway. Nobody's, nobody's ever hacked cameras in a house, security cameras. Yeah, it's never happened on a large scale before. Being, so yeah, I mean, sarcastic. yeah, and never mind the fact that that just the whole idea seems strange to me. But uh, yeah, but then again, I, I wear a t-shirt and shorts pretty much every day. So. <laughs> so some of the oddities of it are the fact that it uses machine learning, and it, it you have an app, you take a photo or several photos, and you open your app up that has your pictures that it took from the device mm-hmm. and then you select two of them and they weren't quite clear on how this works. Uh, they said it uses a combination of machine learning and fashion. I don't know, fashion savvy professionals to decide which outfit is more trendy. <laughs> if that makes sense. So, so in other words, yeah, I'm, I'm putting another, this is like cynical day, I guess. Spin on this. Uh, <laughs> you you take the two photos, yeah. you upload them to Google, and it matches them with uh, clothing they'd like you to buy, probably. And it's like, yeah, this outfit's getting a little outdated, but here's some great outfits that would uh, yeah, really spruce up your wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. They're on Amazon Prime today. This is Eat Sleep Code, the cynical edition. Yeah. 
<laughs> but I mean, I could wait, see. Wait, wait, wait. No, we're going to add. We're going to change the name. It's no longer Eat Sleep Code. Eat Sleep Code Complaint. Can we do we're, that? we're like the two old guys from the Muppets today. <laughs> yeah. Skybox heckling everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, we also we also made it clear that we're old since we're referencing the Muppets. But true. Okay. Yeah, but the, the the whole thing behind this, I mean, if you pretend for a second that Amazon's not using this for marketing purposes, then I have a bridge that is very cheap. I'd like to sell you. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and and that's actually an issue that's come up quite a bit this week because uh, I don't know if you caught the story about uh, Unroll.me, basically. So the, hidden in the story about Uber's very um, iffy business practices, um, there there was a, 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 and some information about Unroll.me, which I don't know if you've heard of the service, but it's basically like a way to help eliminate all these newsletters and other marketing emails you get by mm -hmm. signing up for this thing and it just kind of removes them from your inbox. I was actually in on it too. Um, and, and hidden in there was that they actually scan your inbox and were selling the information about it, anonymized supposedly, um, to companies like Uber, which were using it um, to basically do some investigation. Like they, apparently they were selling, scanning all your Lyft receipts and selling that information to Uber. So okay. uh, a lot of people, myself included, uh, jumped off the service. Cause you know, I think we tend to use these things and not really think too deeply about what the company is doing with all this information. We, for the sake of convenience, um, sometimes are willing to forego uh, a good deal of privacy that um, maybe at times is a step too far. So we've got a couple good things to queue up a segue here. So first of all, machine learning being used in the Echo Look, like this thing's taking photos of you, it's matching them uh, with other photos uh, from some kind of a database to tell you whether you're fashionable or not. Uh, the just the voice recognition alone, uh, that's, you know, using various types of machine learning to, uh, you know, be able to understand what you're saying in different contexts and, uh, you know, with different accents and speech uh, differences. Uh, so there, there's machine learning being used there. Um, and then you're talking about uh, data being anonymously sent uh, to these businesses and whatnot. So I'll, I'll queue up on that in a minute too. Uh, so I wrote an article uh, called What is Machine Learning? Because when I go to events and meetups, I, I meet a lot of developers, software developers that um, still think machine learning is this futuristic technology that you know we're not going to see for another five, 10 years, right? And, and this is, you know, very intelligent people I'm talking to um, that just aren't seeing the trend uh, quite the way they, I, I feel they should. Um, you know, you start talking about machine learning with people and they, they're like, yeah, this is, you know, sounds cool, but it's, you know, futuristic sci-fi, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm looking at the Amazon look and I'm like, okay, uh, yeah, this thing is today, right? This is, they're going to start selling this thing very soon and 
they've already built the capabilities for it, I'm sure. I've seen other machine learning uh, vision APIs uh, from places like Microsoft. Like They can tell you if you're happy, sad, indifferent by taking a picture of your face. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this stuff is happening now, and the tools for it are available now to software developers. This isn't, you don't have to be a data scientist anymore, right? You can just go uh, get access to either the APIs or build your own machine learning algorithm with a, a little bit of training. Um, so, no longer something for the future. So, I, I wrote uh, an article called What is Machine Learning to kind of break down. Uh, the history of it, uh, where it's at today, um, kind of talk about it a little bit, get it out in the open, and then uh, I have some more pieces in the works uh, to show how to use machine learning, you know, create your own training experiment, and uh, start incorporating this stuff into full-stack development. So that's, uh, that's a link in the newsletter. Nice segue. I'm impressed. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I'll I'll queue up on that other thing you mentioned too. Um, you mentioned this anonymous data, right? Um, there there was a great show that uh, is on. I, th- I believe it's on Netflix, or it was. It may it may be on there still. Uh, it's a documentary called Terms and Conditions May Apply, and they had a case study on that show where I believe it was Yahoo said they were anonymizing search data. And uh, this data got leaked, uh, and somebody took the data, and they gave it to a private investigator for this documentary. And the private investigator was able to go back through the search records that were supposedly anonymized and find people based on the search criteria. Uh, So if you're able to do this with a private investigator human being uh, over a several month period. Um, imagine what happens when you have strong machine learning algorithms that you can train to reverse engineer this stuff. So you keep hearing this anonymized, everything's anonymized, don't worry about it. Uh, stay kind of step skeptical of, of that whole thing. Yep. I, I used uh, the opportunity of removing unroll.me to go ahead and clean up anybody who had access to my inbox, which thankfully turned out to be, there was very little beyond that, just a couple services that I no longer use anymore, but that didn't even have full access. The thing about unroll.me that you don't even carefully look at, or at least I didn't, um, is that it has like basically full access to your inbox. Like, so, you know, obviously Google has that too, but for the moment, Google pretty much uses that information to, they don't hand that information to uh, an advertiser, they, but they use that information to target you for an advertiser, which is a slightly different thing than say what Unroll.me was doing, right? Yeah. Yep. A lot of your data is being sold, uh, whether it's, it may not be Google, but like your, your uh, cell phone data gets sold a lot. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of data out there that's being passed back and forth and, that people don't realize. It's, it's and the government would like to allow these show. companies to now sell your your uh, browser history, right? Oh Jesus! So anyway, it's getting I could scary. Go south real quick. Yeah, but uh, anyway, 
So, um, for lack of a segue, <laughs> tell us about some of the events that you have coming up, Ed. By the way, that's on my medical alert bracelet, Brian. Figure my browser history. <laughs> uh, haven't you heard of incognito mode, man? Uh, yeah, so we're going to hit the events quick because we got a little long on them last time. Um, we we obviously have the one Burke told us about at the top of the show. The Kendo UI webinar is coming up. Uh, and we also have Star Trek coming up May 5th. Uh, in Columbus, Ohio. I'll be there recording podcasts, talking about ASP.NET Core, and enjoying some popcorn and movies. Um, right after that, uh, so my, my Star Trek conference is on Friday, and I leave Monday to Seattle. So I get to stay home for the weekend, then I'm off to Microsoft Build. Uh, so Microsoft Build starts May 10th, um, we are having a Telerik party during the uh, event, so if you're in the Seattle area um, and you want to come out and meet some of us or just have some free food and beer, uh, come uh, check us out. Uh, we have links in the show notes to the party and how you can sign up. And uh, here in Louisville, Kentucky, where I'm from, we have a conference on June 7th called Code Palooza. So if you are in or near the Louisville area and you want to come out and hear some amazing speakers from all over the United States, uh, come to Louisville, spend a couple days here at Code Palooza on June 7th. Uh, we'll put links in the show notes. Tickets are still on sale. Uh, so go ahead and check that out. Anything from you, Brian? Nada. Not even a sign up for the newsletter at developer.telerik.com and check out all the awesome links that we put together every two weeks? Nope. All right. <laughs> thanks for being part of the show, Brian. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Ed. All right, man. Take care. Bye.